Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everyone. Hope you are doing amazing. I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about men's mental health with two dudes that are truly amazing in so many ways. And when thinking of talking about men's mental health, the stigma that they experience, toxic masculinity, vulnerability, all of those things, who better than Payman Roth and Mason Spector, two of the co-founders of Mad Happy? Now, I'm sure most of you have heard of Mad Happy. It's a very popular clothing brand. It's been featured in Vogue, L, Forbes. It's been worn by Gigi Hadid, Cardi B, Addison Rae. And not to mention, Payman and Mason were listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, which I mean, that is just iconic. Not to mention, Payman and Mason are the hosts of the Mad Happy podcast, which aims to create a more open dialogue around mental health. They have interviewed, I mean, A-listers. I'm talking Logic, Ashley Tisdale, Dixie D'Amelio, and they have really tough conversations. And I really admire them for all the work that they're doing. And also, fun fact, I was on the Mad Happy podcast. So if you enjoy this one, be sure to head over there to hear them interview me. Before we get started, quick shout out to S. Jakovics for her review that she left titled Love, Love, Love. I have followed Vic on TikTok for forever. And when I found out she had a podcast, I had to listen. RealPod has been some of my favorites for long walks. I admire the podcast ability to address hard issues while also incorporating humor, fun energy, and Victoria remaining completely herself at the same time. S. Jakovics, thank you. I'm so glad you feel that way. And we work so hard on the show to make it all of those things, right? Important, educational, inspiring, but also fun, also relevant, also easy to listen to. So I really, really appreciate this comment. Thanks for listening. And to each and every one of you tuning in, I really appreciate it. It means so much that you take the time to spend some of your day with RealPod. I always love hearing from you and receiving your feedback. You can leave reviews on iTunes or ratings on iTunes or Spotify. It takes about five seconds. You'll notice there's like a star option on the top left and go ahead and let me know how you feel. You just might be the special shout out on next week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday when we bring you brand new episodes. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with co-founders of the Mad Happy brand, Payman Roth and Mason Spector.
Heyman Mason. Welcome to RealPod. Thank you for happy having to be us. here. I am happy to have you guys. And I want to, I heard this recently on another podcast and I really liked it. Instead of saying, how are you? You say, how's your spirit? And mm. you just kind of leave that up for interpretation. So how is your spirit? My spirit's pretty good. I've been having a good week. I recently got back into my 12-step program and I've gone to three meetings in the last three days and they have my spirit and my connectiveness feeling really fantastic. And I feel like a lot of things that I was struggling with, I finally just like surrendered and turned them over and I just feel really like light and good right now spiritually. Ooh, mm. I love that. Yeah, mm. That's great. Wait, what yeah. made you go back? So I went to treatment like three years ago and I came out and I was feeling very motivated, like coming off my rock bottom. And I was like, I had really built my life to set myself up for success. Like I was an outpatient. I was on medication. I was going to meetings. I was having healthy conversations with with my friends and my partners and my family. And I did that for probably like three or four months. And then I got to a place where like things were going good and kind of my ego and, and me thinking that I'm smarter than everyone and that I can do it all on my own was like, wow, like you got to a good place. And like, it's all because of you, <laughs> not these other things. So like, as long as you're in charge, like you're going to do great. And I cut pretty much all those things out of my life. And I think I was okay for a little bit, but it was really like a, a ticking time bomb that kind of lasted like two years. And then in the last few months, I've been seeing just kind of some yellow flags come up and and not feeling so great you know I feel like my depression has started to creep back in a little bit and I'm like I think it's time to get back to that place and like kind of bring those ingredients back together and and not have any shame around like that having to be my life to like support myself and make me feel good and like have me be just fulfilled in in my work and my relationships and my life and for context addiction with drugs with alcohol for those who are not familiar yeah. Uh, well, I got sober from drugs and alcohol. And then like the main program that I've been working is SLAA, which is sex and love addiction. That's awesome that you're open to talking about these things, because when we talk about like mental health stigmas, people are like, oh, you know, anxiety, depression is stigmatized. But then when we talk about addiction, we talk about alcoholism, we talk about sex and love. It's like those things I even as a quote unquote mental health advocate am unfamiliar with. Yeah. Do you feel like talking in this space that you come across that a lot, people being like taken aback or they're never heard of that before. They're not sure what it is. Yeah, I think it's definitely a program that people aren't as familiar with, but really the the principles of it are pretty much the same thing as AA. And I think even in when we do talk about mental health, I feel like we do talk a lot about relationships and with partners and things like that and codependency and like a lot of those tendencies. I do think that like love addiction or seeking validation and approval from others and like a lot of those kind of things are a lot more prevalent than we really realize or talk about and I think the word like addict can be very scary for people and I I find programs to really just be like principles on life and and relationships that can be like really helpful that everyone could use that's great yeah and I see you nodding I think your friendship is so sweet <laughs> I think the friendship is so sweet, the way you guys are so supportive. And even before the interview, you know, and Mason's like, oh, Payton's going to need more water. You know, you guys just like take care of each other. Yeah. So how is your spirit, mm. Payton? How are you? Yeah, on that, I think when Mason came out of treatment in 2018, yeah, I didn't know what sex love addiction was. And I think the name is just like scary also. Like AA, everyone's heard of it now. But I think it's like, it sounds like this whole weird thing. And I think it's just like, all of us deal with different types of addictions and impulses. And I think it's just like being able to like 
name it, I think ha- has been helpful for me to understand more of like what Mason went through then, you know, because it wasn't just alcohol, you know, it wasn't just drugs. And I think for me, my spirits are good. I, I always feel good uh, in the new year. I feel like I don't really think about it like New Year's resolutions, but like I do think it's a time to like reset, try to set like new habits that I know will like serve me in my life. And I think it's been a lot trying to build a company over the past four or five years and trying to have that a little more balanced with like my own life and integrate it a little bit better and making sure I'm like taking care of myself and my relationships. But overall, I'm feeling good and happy to be here. I was excited to talk to you both because Obviously, mental health and these issues are stigmatized in general, but especially with men talking about these things, you don't come across people as candid as you. Have you always been this way? Like what pushed you over the hump to be vulnerable? Mm, Yeah. Well, first, I want to know how your spirit is. (laughs) I love it. You're just a classic Mm. podcast host. We got it. I'll go around. (laughs) How's my spirit? My spirit is really good. I have been happy. I've felt motivated. I have been able to be present. I feel like I've been compassionate with myself recently, like when I'm not doing everything I needed to do or I planned to do or as well as I wanted. So my spirit is good. And and you know what? Sometimes don't you feel bad when you're feeling good? Like it's almost like, is that relatable? Is that like everyone else is suffering and you're happy? Like you horrible person. Mm-hmm. So that comes into play a little bit when I'm happy. Is that like that voice saying, mm. you know, you're so lucky or you shouldn't be happier. I don't know. Does, yeah, does that... it's like we only celebrate like talk like people celebrate someone talking about the lows, but like not if they're talking about like the good times in their right. life, which is like it is kind of weird. If uh, you're happy these days, it's like unrelatable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we were just talking to someone about uh, the comparison is is at like such an all time high, and that even when thinking about st- struggling and like giving ourselves permission and allowing ourselves to feel bad or have a bad day, and and. I love gratitude and I practice that a lot also. And like sometimes that can get in the way of really allowing yourself to have a bad day or to like feel those kind of darker places because, well, I have so much to be thankful for and I don't deserve to feel this. How dare you say that you're having a bad day with how much good is going on in your life and everything that you have. So I feel like it really works on both sides of like just allow yourself to be however you are. And like you can still say, I'm having a bad day and I feel really sad. And I have such a beautiful life and I have so much to be grateful for. And like both those things can be true at the same time. Yes, that is so spot on. And it's the irony, right? Of when I'm sad and I'm feeling depressed and I'm not great. The voice is telling me, you got to be happy. Like you can't be this lazy, whatever. And then when you're happy, you're being told, you know, that's not right either. So that's the anxious voice inside my head. I think that that plays around a lot. For sure. Yeah. What was your earlier question about a men's mental health? Yeah. Just when you guys opened up, have you always been candid? Mm. I certainly wasn't. So I'm wondering for you if there was a moment or a story or something that yeah. inspired you to do it or you've always just kind of been honest. Well, I think we're on. Um, I think Mason's always been more open uh, than I have. I'll let him share. But I think for me, it's new still. And I think the podcast. So I started therapy last year, last January. So it's been like a year. And I think that's been a learning experience for me of just like being able to like be more open about it, even though we've been in the space. And I feel like I've gotten more knowledgeable about it. Like it didn't really apply to my life as much. And now I'm like making sure I apply it and like get more open. And I think the podcast allows me or sometimes forces me to do that. So I think I'm thankful for that. And, and you're right. Like I do think it's harder for guys to talk about it, even just like when we're bringing guests on our podcast, it's like 
usually harder to get guys to come on or they're just like less open when they're on and it's a little bit like of a different conversation but i mean shout out to payment on his one year anniversary of yeah of, of being in therapy <laughs> well when we first it's met amazing. and i and i went on the mad happy podcast you were like a few a week or two in so i remember that that was new and yeah. i gotta ask so what inspired you to go mm. Yeah, I think I, I was always interested in trying it. And I think it was just like trying to find the right person. And so I was actually listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast and someone on a show like mentioned their therapist's name and said he was really good and he was based in Boulder. And I just like looked them up randomly. And you had to get him. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I had a call with him. He's like, yeah, I have like a long wait list. So it like made me want to do it more. And then uh. I was on his wait list. And then I came off in January of last year and I just tried it and it felt weird at first. But after the first few sessions, I always felt like a lot lighter and and had this weird feeling coming out of it. I was like, oh, like clearly I haven't like tapped into like this area or like talking about my childhood or, or different experiences I've had. And I love it. And I I'm a, I'm a big uh, I, I hype it up. <laughs> I hype it up. The cool part about that story is a lot of times you'll hear people saying, well, things got really bad, so I went. Or mm. this event in my life happened that was really tragic and hard for me, so I went. I find it awesome that you were like, there's always something to learn. I'm open. Let's give it a shot. And that's an important part of therapy people don't talk about a lot is how it doesn't always have to be you're crying and it's a really tragic occurrence. That could be the majority of it and that happens. But also you can have great sessions when you're like laughing and you're like, that did fuck me up. Like, and you're yeah. talking about childhood, you know? Yeah, I think it's like the proactive thing. Like, people don't think about mental health in the proactive way like we do with, like, physical health of going to the gym. Like, you're not waiting till you're injured to go to the gym. And I think right. that that's what we're trying to talk about, too, which is, like, mental health isn't only bad. You're not always feeling, like, sad or depressed, you know? And there are good times, but there's still stuff that you're holding with you every day that talking about now, especially when it seems, like, a little bit easier or times are a little bit better, I think is like what we try to talk about a lot. That's yeah. like the essence of Mad Happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mental health, I feel like has had terrible PR, you know, like people really just do think about it as depression and anxiety and struggling and suicide and all of these things that make people feel uneasy and are scared of. But all the things that Payment just mentioned and like happiness and joy and excitement, those are equally mental health. And I feel like that's why we, we really have chosen to champion optimism and like the power of positivity and like leading with that because it really is kind of an easier barrier of entry for people to understand oh like this is mental health too it's not so bad like I, I think I can get on board with this and see how I can apply it to my own life. Going to pause for a second to shout out one of my favorite sponsors of this podcast Athletic Greens. You guys know how much I love Athletic Greens. I literally talk about them all the time. And just this past week when I was out of town, I brought the Athletic Greens AG1 travel packs with me so that I could drink it on the road. So what is Athletic Greens? Basically, with just one scoop of this delicious AG1 powder mixed with water, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And I always take it in the morning. I love taking it on an empty stomach. So first thing I do in the morning is I scoop my AG1, I mix it with water in a cup, and I drink that. Max does the same thing. He's actually the one that got me hooked on it. As an intuitive eater, I like to kind of take it moment by moment for the most part. So in the morning, if I just have my athletic greens, I feel like I just kind of check this worry box of, okay, I got some of the most important nutrients that I know my body will need today. And it just makes me feel energized. It makes me feel good. And it's literally so easy. Like there's no blending. There's not pills that you're taking. 
tracking different vitamins. Like you're literally scooping the athletic greens into a cup of water, mixing and drinking. And the travel packs are just as easy. They've already portioned it for you. So you bring a travel pack in your purse, in your bag, you rip it open, you dump it in a water bottle, you shake and you drink. And you will get five free travel packs with your first purchase when you head to athleticgreens.com slash realpod. And on top of that, you'll also get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. So if you go to athleticgreens.com slash realpod and they know you are a RealPod listener, you are going to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And those travel packs, they're clutch. It's time to arm your immune system with one convenient daily nutrition serving, and that's AG1. So head to athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. I'm still thinking of when you talked about this addiction to validation because it's something that all of us have in like small amounts at least, right? Like for me, the biggest place I saw validation was Instagram for a really long time. Like likes, comments. I mean, I would post a picture and then just sit on my bed and watch it, you know, the notifications come in because I was just so excited to get compliments and to get approval and Mm. what boys are liking it. And, you know, it was unhealthy to the point where like, that I needed that to feel like okay and how I looked or how I was or my life. So how has that validation played a role for you guys if, if I felt like mine was really social media? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been there. I had to delete Instagram off my phone for like two years because I was the same exact way of like each one of those pings was like a, was like a hit for me. And yeah. I was like looking for what girls liked it, looking for what girls I could like their photos back and like all of those things. And what's been the most game-changing thing for me that like I work through with my therapist mostly is just like that's like the action like the the drugs or the alcohol or the vice or whatever we medicate with like that's the action and like focus less on that and focus on like why do I want to smoke a joint right now what is it that I'm like running away from and like it's really hard to answer that question but like peeling back those layers and like what is it in this moment that you're feeling and thinking that is then causing you to go need a release over there, you know? And like for me, a lot of times it's like you're stupid or you're depressed or like you're not enough. And then it's like, whoa, 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 I I, I don't want to go there or listen to that. Like, let me go do this thing that can distract me in this other way and like give me hits of like dopamine through other things. And then, okay. Now I feel like I'm enough because I'm getting all those things. Now I feel like I'm smart because people are telling me how much they love Matt Happy. Now I feel like I'm worthy because these girls want to sleep with me or want me to take them out, right? So it's like replacing that emptiness with other things. Mm. Yeah, and and realizing that if you are the person who actually gives yourself the validation or the answer, you have 100% control. Exactly. I mean, the biggest thing is like in all of this is like self building a relationship with yourself and loving yourself. Like one of our brand slogans is like, treat yourself like someone you love. And I feel like that is, I'll be trying to master that my entire life. But like anyone who can really work on that, you're always enough. And you don't need anything else from anyone and anything that you get with your family, partner, whatever. Like those are just cherries on top of like your already beautiful Sunday that Mm -hmm. like is fantastic. I sit here and I think about like where you've come from in your story because I know like at times you were really in the trenches. And when I think about people who are currently there, they feel like this, like a conversation like this, the ability to just open up and be vulnerable to seek help feels like so hard or like they're never going to do that or they're never going to be able to 
like kind of transcend and have the self-awareness to recognize these are anxious thoughts. This is an unhealthy coping mechanism. Mm. So what have you guys seen is like the biggest thing that allows and helps people to kind of get over that hump and transition into like enlightenment for lack of a better term? I think it's really just work. I think like one of the phrases that I hate the most is like time heals all wounds because I think that in in some way that's just like (laughs) not true. Like it actually takes active work for you to talk about these experiences, process these traumas. Otherwise, they'll just be stored in a part of your brain that has no concept of time. That's like that's why we get PTSD and you can experience something and it'll trigger that memory and it'll feel like it's happening again right now because it's just lodged in our brain. It hasn't been filed away properly. So I feel like the biggest thing is like being active and doing the work, having the ability to ask for help, I always say is like the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Like no one can do anything by themselves. And it is really, really hard. Like in the middle of a thunderstorm, you're not really going to believe that there's going to be a rainbow tomorrow. You're like, are you kidding me? Look outside. You're telling me a rainbow is going to come out here, right? It's like really hard to see it when you're in the trenches. But I think you just got to have the motivation of knowing what the other side looks like if you don't do the work and like not wanting to be stuck in that hole. No one can do it for you, right? I think a lot of times for me, I was like using other people or other things and I didn't want it enough for myself and I never got out of the trench that way. And like we are the only people that can get ourselves out of the trench with like the help of others. Like it's kind of like confusing because you need other people, but you also have to do it on your own. Well, yeah, because someone could drag you to to therapy or could tell you they want you to get sober. Like no matter how much someone else could want that for you, the person has to make the decision and to be bought in. Exactly. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? Yeah. And I think it starts kind of at the educational level of like understanding the feelings you're having, like you were saying. Like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel anxious but like can't recognize that it's anxiety you know and i think when we started the first step was like education and all of local optimist is meant in just like easy to understand toolkits for mental health and i think like that's allowed people to to learn about it a little bit more and then now i think people are talking about mental health more in daily conversation which i think allows people to be like oh like this is anxiety and then like to hopefully take the steps to work on it. But I think it starts with that like self and that self-awareness of like, hey, like what am I feeling? You know, it's not just a stomach ache. You know, it's that's not a great point. it's not heartburn. Yeah. And and I think like that's like the the scary part because it's like, you know, if I break my wrists, like I know like it really hurts. I need to go like see a doctor. But like some some of these feelings are like, if my stomach hurts, I just think like, oh, it's part of my life. Like my stomach's gonna hurt again tomorrow. And then like whatever, you know. So that's that's a crazy part for us. And on that same note, and I totally resonate with this because that was my experience of performance anxiety in college. I was like, why am I not confident? Like, why am I freaking terrified to play? Why do I think I'm the worst ever? Like, why am I feeling? And I remember finding um, a diary or a journal from college when I was cleaning out things during COVID. And there was like this paragraph where I was like, I don't know why, but like, I'm just not comp. I was basically describing anxiety without Mm. being able to recognize that's what it was. Because also mental health, it is this invisible thing. You can't see it like a wrist break. You can't always feel the pain. You can kind of maybe brush it off in the beginning until it gets really bad. Mm. So I just think it's a great point. Now, I love to ask my male guests this question because as a female, it was my experience and I feel like I kind of know the answer. What were the messages that you both received from society growing up about what it meant to be 
a great man or a successful man? Mm. You go first. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I mean, I moved to LA when I was six. So I was born in Italy, moved here, didn't speak English. And I was just like trying to find my way. And I think it's something that I've recently been talking about in therapy because I'm like, that obviously played a big impact on me, even though I don't remember that time, you know? And I feel like growing up here, I think there's amazing things that like all the opportunities I've had are because I live in the US and was fortunate to grow up in LA. But I think it was always like very geared towards just like, you know, busting through walls, just like successful at all costs, like that type of mentality. And like, you can't have hard days, you know, some of those things that I think I internalized in many ways. Like, I don't think like, like, I don't, I try to not complain, you know, which means like, I don't really talk about like the things that are like weighing me down. And like some of those things that like, I've realized, you know, which I think is this funny thing because like I hate to complain, you know, but I think the fact that I hate to complain means that like I'm holding other things back, not talking about them. Right. And so for the most part, I think, you know, my mom would say this and my girlfriend would say this, like, I don't really like open up about things because like I just feel like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And like, I just can carry it myself better than talking about it. You know? it. Yeah. And, and and I think um, in many ways that's wrong and and people want to talk about it and, and want to like help you get through it, even though it like seems small to you. And so I think like that's how it like manifested in my life of just like trying to hold it back and, and not really talk about it and, and those sorts of things. And I was fortunate I didn't really have or I didn't feel like I had any like true struggles with my mental health until I was much older. You know, you can kind of go to your mid 20s and not realize what you're carrying with you the whole way. Quick follow-up, because I'm fascinated by this like balance of com- not not wanting to be a complainer, but also what's the line between like what you deserve to discuss? So how have you found the balance? And like when it's a little cold in the room, like, you know, how do you think about yeah. little complaining things versus the big things? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I think one thing that we talk about a lot is like everyone has like the same like six or seven emotions and like the severity of them depends on like how you feel about that situation. So like, again, the comparison thing, like not comparing it to someone else's problems, right? Like someone else always has it worse. Yes, like that's obviously true, but I try to like contextualize it within my own life and just talk about, just talk about it. I think that's the first step, right? Before I would like never complain. I would never talk about this stuff. and. And so I feel like it's still like a work in progress. And I think therapy is a good place because like you're sort of forced to talk about it, you know, and it's like that's the space for you to talk about these things, you know, even if you're not going to talk about them with everyone else in your life. So I don't know. I'm I'm taking steps, but it's still early, I would say. My logic is if you're going to say someone has it worse, you have to say someone has it better and then they cancel. So now you're there with Mm. whatever it is you're with. And that's valid. I I love that. I like that. For me... When you were talking, I was like thinking about my own experience and I was like, holy shit, like I I actually felt insecure growing up because I didn't feel like I was a man in that way. Like I started therapy when I was seven years old. I was raised by my mom and by my dad who was closeted at the time and dealing with his own addiction issues and like wasn't really his true self. And I feel like I was brought up like feeling kind of soft, like... I was not aggressive. I don't think I've ever raised my voice my entire life. Like I'm very non-confrontational and like I didn't feel like what I thought a man should feel like. And I think that made me very like insecure as a kid in terms of like feeling 
confident or feeling like I could be tough or like all those other things. Like I, I was more like a girl in that way of like sensitive and emotional and talking about my feelings. And like now it seems silly to even say, cause like what is like a girl or like <laughs> right. a boy, but like my experience was like reaching up at that. I want to be a man and like not feeling like that was who I was. That's fascinating mm. yeah. to think about that. Cause you know, a lot of the men in my life, they're not big feeling, talking people, you know, even Max is, is open and he'll talk about anything, but he's a big no complainer. Mm. And so I can't wait to like kind of talk to him about that and <laughs> yeah. just be like, did you think about that? Like yeah. the things you probably should talk about. <laughs> and my older brother, you know, just very stoic. We always joke, like when he has to give someone a hug, he's like, you know, he's like cringing on into the hug, but you know, he's got, he's gotten better. Now he has a girlfriend. I feel like that really helps too. Good, good the the sure. girls, the women in life really help you say, it's okay to talk about your feelings. And Soften them up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to be soft too. And I think the way we look at language, right. You know, when we say things are soft or they're girly or, you know, you're, what was something I heard the other day? There's a lot of the sensitivity is related to female energy and a lot of the tough, gritty, you know, successful energy is very masculine mm. based in language. So I think that's fascinating too. What has been like the biggest thing that you guys have discovered about yourself on your healing journey? And like, I want an actual like epiphany moment, like give us the example, what happened that you felt like really changed your path? Mm. You want me to take this one? No, first? I could go first. Okay. I think one thing for me going back to just like moving here and like feeling like I had no friends when I was six years old and like didn't speak English. I, I think I didn't really understand like the impact that that had on me until I kind of started therapy because um, I feel like in my life, I've always strived to like, you know, get good grades, like do the best in whatever it is that I'm doing. And then like always like pick like the harder path. So I was like the president of my fraternity or I was like the captain of like the basketball team and like, there's no like true like tangible benefits from doing those things besides that it's like the hardest thing to do. And like I would always like put myself in those positions because I think I liked like the security of that, like the feeling of like belonging and meaning that I think when I was younger, I probably didn't feel like I had. And so this is like, you know, a newer thing for me that I thought about really over the last like two weeks. And I think is is such a big one because I think in many ways I still like carry that with me today. And, and so I think just trying to figure out like where it's serving me, like I think in many ways, a lot of what um, I've been able to do or just like the positions that we've been able to put ourselves in as a company come from like that mentality of like, I'm going to work really hard. And like, I want to be at the top you know, of the pack, yeah, alpha. I, yeah, leading. I want it to be the best it could be. So I do think in some ways it has served me well, but I also think that in some ways it's still holding me back from probably like my true self, from like really like the inner stuff, you know, and like making sure that like I'm doing things like for myself and not like, again, for like the external things. And a break, like when is enough success, enough success? Like we could keep going and going and going and going. At some point it's gotta be, I've worked really hard and this is great. And I could keep going, you know, yeah, the thing no, about sure. success is it's like, it never really well, if ends. That's what's, yeah. If that's what's filling your cup, my therapist has this line that I love is you'll never arrive. No, exactly. And, and I think like, I think success is fine. Like I, I don't like also like being on the other end where people are like, no, like you shouldn't work hard or like you shouldn't like try to like aim for like getting better. I think 
but like there is like that balance you know and then when is it right and like when is it about like it's really all about like the relationships you build over time like the experiences and memories you have versus like how much you sell your company for so i don't know i ah. think that that's something that has been pretty big for me my kind of biggest aha moment on my journey was i was 16 years old and it was the summer of 2010 and my dad took me on a walk and he said me and your mom are getting a divorce and it's because i'm gay and that was like i felt the biggest weight off my shoulders and felt so much clarity and i really realized a lot we had a complicated relationship like like in my childhood because i have a blended family situation so i had some like step siblings like this guy my dad that i'm talking about like isn't my biological father so there was always kind of that thing between us and i think a lot of what he was dealing with ended up kind of coming out on me and i think i had a very confusing childhood of like why am i getting reprimanded or why am i getting yelled at and like children internalize that as like what's wrong with me what am i doing wrong why am i not getting love i don't feel like i did anything like this is very confusing for me and when he told me that it really just like alleviated so much of that confusion and all of that shit and i was just like wow like you're good like that, that it was never you. about me yeah, yeah. like like it was never about me and i think that allowed me to like shed a lot of my demons at that time I was really at a crossroads kind of in the middle of high school, like really struggling in the classroom, starting to like use a lot more. And that was a moment for me that just like cleared up a lot of my childhood. Okay, I am so excited to tell you about this sponsor today because this is actually the coolest and also most helpful thing ever. If you're trying to find more fashion inspiration like me, if you're following my Instagram, you know I do Vix fits and I'm trying to like get my style game together. Well, Macy's is hosting a Macy's Live event at macy's.com slash Macy's Live. And it's going to have the top fashion and beauty experts and influencers who will be covering everything you need to know about how to express your personal style. So by tuning into live style at macy's.com slash Macy's Live, you can find inspiration and insights on how to make the latest trends work for you and your wardrobe, and also to find new twists on your go-to faves, which is so important to me. We all have those things we love to wear, but we're like, how do I pair this? Or I'm obsessed with this skirt, but I never know what top to wear. I'm obsessed with these shoes, but they never match my outfit. At Macy's Live, you're going to get answers. And not only will it help you with your new wardrobe, but they will also help you with all things makeup and beauty, which is another thing I've been working on. I mean, this just could not be more aligned. I'm obsessed. By checking out livebeauty at Macy's.com, you can get insider tips on new beauty releases, how-tos, and must-have products that your routine needs. So for all your beauty and fashion needs, tune in to Macy's Live every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. at Macy's.com slash Macy's Live. Once again, that's every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, Macy's.com slash Macy's Live. I know I will be there tuning in. I know you dropped out of college because that's part of your story you share often. Yeah. What was like the leading points to that event in your life? Because- when people drop out of college, it definitely, I mean, now you're so successful, everything worked out great. But when that happens in your life, are you feeling like I don't fit in? I'm lo-? like, what's going through your mind that you're like, F this and I'm going to do something different? Yeah, I think uh, I've always had a pattern of like when things get hard and uncomfortable for me, like running away and bailing. And I did that like a few times, like I left high school and I went to a different high school and then I was in college and 
like I've mentioned a few times, like academics has really never been my strong suit. I was always in like the, the lower classes. They would actually call them in school uh, growing up, which, which is terrible. <laughs> and I was looking, uh, kind of just like surveying the landscape of like, what are the next four years going to look like? And don't get me wrong. I was having a ton of fun. I was, I was pledging a frat. I had some friends from LA and some older guys from LA that really like were welcoming us and we were partying with girls and all that stuff. It was like everything that you could want from the college experience. And I kind of just saw what this was going to look like. And it was kind of just more of this for the next three or four years. And like, I've always been lucky to have a good relationship with my parents to be able to speak up when I'm just not feeling like this is the right path. And I feel like I really just went to college because that seems like what you're supposed to do after high school instead of actually making the decision of like, is this the right path? for me. So I had that conversation with them and just ended up deciding that it wasn't for me and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that I'm any less and you can come home, but we're going to have to have a plan. Like you're going to have to come to school back here or start working. So my parents were always very supportive and like, we can make a change and like we can make a decision, but there has to be some sort of like plan in place. So you're not just like at home sleeping in every day. And so when did Mad Happy come into play? in relation to the dropout? Yeah, so before Mad Happy, I actually started another company with Payment's brother and our partner now, Noah, and we were both just kind of, we both didn't like school and we both kind of were creative kids who had good taste and like wanted to kind of start some sort of creative endeavor without even really knowing what it would be. And it ended up being a clothing company and neither of us went to fashion school, obviously, and we really just like learned all we could by hitting the streets of downtown LA and having some family friends in the business. And while the company ended up being a failure, I think now in hindsight, like it really taught us a lot and allowed us to like learn a bit of the game. And then when I had dropped out of school, there were a few months after that previous company had folded of just like really bad depression. And I was just like, Jesus, like, what am I doing? I dropped out of school. I tried to start this thing. It didn't work. I like, I have no direction. I don't know what I want to do. Like I started driving for Postmates and doing that. I ended up getting another job as like an assistant to the founders of a company. And there was just one night where I thought of the word mad happy. And it was like, holy shit, this is like really powerful and feels really special. And is not only like very representative of like the time that I'm currently in, like in my own life and like kind of valuing that and seeing what I can learn from this downtime, but also feels like it could have this universal message and appeal where like everyone can really relate to it in their own way. And it can mean something so intimate to everyone, but also something so global that we can all relate to. And like, to me, honestly, I feel like it really is the essence of life, like in everything that we're talking about. So the first thing I did was I picked up the phone and I called Noah and he's like, I love it. And we're like, let's, let's kind of give this thing another shot. And we had no idea like what it would become at the time. We got a payment and our other a buddy, Josh involved. And that was probably five years ago now. Wow. <laughs> and so you're at Michigan and you graduated. Yeah. So I, so, so the story, and, and I don't know if I've shared this, but I graduated in 2016. I got into banking. So I started my banking job in New York. And right when I started was when they were talking about the brand and so I gave them a little bit of money to like, just like make samples, stuff like that. This is now like late 2016. And then I ended up getting like really bad, like mono basically felt very sick a few months into my job. So I decided to take a few months off. I moved back to LA and meanwhile, like they're starting to work on Mad Happy and figure out what it is. And I think like, it was just like crazy timing. Cause like I decided to not go back to New York. I'm like, I'll just get a job in LA, but then 
once we started doing the mad happy thing and things started picking up I, one day i just like realized oh i guess this is what i'm doing you know and so it was one of those crazy <laughs> crazy things that really just like happened by chance that like of course like changed my life which feels like risky for your story because you did like to do the by the book this is my route to success right for and then sure. you become a banker yeah and then you're working with a startup company yeah i mean i think i for sure it was like the first time i felt like i failed in my life because i always like tried hard in high school went to a good college i tried really hard there did well got a great job and then i was like this is my path and then i'll i'll do this after and then i'll do this after you know and i think getting sick and then like facing like the first true like downtime of my life and feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling anxious. Like I think really it just like opened up my eyes and I was like clearly like it's like a sign that I shouldn't go back to New York and that I'll figure it out here. And I didn't know what that meant. But but yeah, I think over time it just I got super lucky and the timing was really crazy. A lot of people have that story too, where it's like you graduate, you calculate, oh, well, if I do this job, I'll be able to make this much money. I'll be able to live in this neighborhood. Mm. This will be my life. And they hate it, but, or they're, they tolerate it, but they're not passionate about it. So as entrepreneurs and as people who really kind of followed your heart and have taken risks and failed and succeeded, what are some of the things that you've learned throughout the process or that you would say to people who are like, I just can't jump from the safety. Uh, yeah, I think I think the thing that I always say is like the younger you do it, the better because there's like less risk, right? You don't have all these obligations coming out of college. You don't have a family that you need, you need to support, all those sorts of things. And so I think for me, I realized like the least risky thing you could do is try a lot of different things when you're younger and figure out what you like versus like going down that route of like, taking a job and then like climbing. And then once you're, once you're on a salary, it's like very hard to kind of get off of that, that drug, you know? And, and so I think for us, like that's advice I always give. I do think that it would have been a lot harder even for me had I gone down that route for a few years to jump out. And, and so I think like oftentimes it's like you can start something and, and anyone can start something now, right? Like the barrier to entry is so low. It's just like Really about the believing. barrier to entry is low. I, yeah. I've never heard it said that way, mm. but it's true. Yeah. You just, anyone can get on social media and like start building a brand. Yeah. And you could even do it on the side while you still have mm -hmm. a job to just really like feel it out. Like, do you even like this? You know, because it's not for everyone. Starting a company like is now like glorified, like everyone should be doing it, but that's not the case. And you have to know yourself again and, and learn like, is this right for me? Like, do I want to spend the next five, 10, 15 years of my life doing this. And it, you know, I think that only gets answered over time and after trying. And Mason, what do you think? That was such a good answer. <laughs> he, like his answer is straight from like the head and it's practical and it just makes more sense. And I'm thinking of my answer and I'm just like, from the heart, like I you just got to feel You guys are head and heart. <laughs> I, I love it. Wait, I want your, I want your heart answer. I think that if like people are having those thoughts, like you said, to me, it's just like so obvious. That's what you're feeling in your body and it's what you want to do. Like why? Like it would be doing yourself such a disservice to not explore that if you're like feeling inside of yourself that like that's your calling. And I think like the the older I get, I mean, I'm still young, obviously, but like I do really realize how like short life is and like we're all kind of we only get one shot here and we're all headed towards the same place. And to me, it's just like I. I encourage everyone to live as like freely and spontaneously and just like 
you know, optimistically as they possibly can. And like, if that's something that you feel like you want to do and it's not harming you or anyone else to try and do it, like try and do it. I completely agree. And as someone else, I probably am more similar to you in the sense payment that I didn't expect a career like this at all. Mm. You know, that with no structure, with social media, I mean, I always joke that if the high school version of me, if somehow the 16 year old version of me were to just like get a glimpse at my Instagram today, she'd be like mortified. <laughs> like you posted that picture of yourself and you look so bad here and you said this. Like I would have just been like, I couldn't even believe it. But naturally, like as we follow our gut and I think a lot of the people I've talked to and I want to ask you guys this as well, the successful people you interview that you meet, that you connect with, you network with, like if you could find a common thread between all of them. And I think for a lot of people I admire it is this idea of following their heart, but like being honest and vulnerable, like being the key to something great because you're always like way more bought in when you feel like you can be 100% yourself. Yeah, and I think the path, the thing that we've seen a lot is like the path is very weird and random for a lot of the people. You know, I don't think a lot of them like expect it to have gone the way it did and to land in the places that they have. And And, and so I think like, that's the part where it's like early on, you know, a lot of people could be like, you know, like your content sucks or like, why are you posting this stuff? It's so weird, you know, and like you really internalize that stuff. And then over time, one thing leads to another. All of a sudden it's doing well. And like those people were wrong, you know, and they were just like kind of just like hating to hate. And so I think for us, I think a lot of things, it's like very scary for people to like take that jump, you know, because they're worried like, you know, what is what is my friend going to think? What are my parents going to think? And like, after you take that jump, I think a lot of people like realize like that doesn't really matter. And and if it works out for you, like no one's, none of your close friends will be saying that stuff or else, you know, they're not your true friends. So I think it's like one of those things where it's like, you don't know the path, but just following what feels right and your gut does lead you to the right place. Or at least it did for me. I feel like mostly everyone we've talked to all like incredibly talented people and like they have something that they know not only that they love to do but they're good at and then being confident in their ability to do that and still kind of taking down times that come like even someone like logic he was obsessed with rapping since he was a teenage boy and he was a kid who looked like he was white and it wasn't really safe in a space up for him like that but it didn't stop him from just doing what he loved and got so much hate in the beginning but didn't stop and stayed true to himself and even in had very dark times that he talked to us about, but like allowed himself to have those moments and still continue to do what he loved. So I feel like it's yeah. like not trying to compare yourself to other people and like just naturally seeing what comes to you, what brings you joy, what's something that you feel like you're good at and actually have talent at. And then just like, if you love it, pursuing it and like keeping your blinders on for as long as you can and just letting yourself go and then like payment saying eventually you get to a place where either all the haters have shut up or it doesn't even matter that they're there as we talk about this right it's talking about like reaching success whatever that means or someone's working towards and i remember earlier in this conversation uh, mason you mentioned how you were depressed like in mad happy times, like mm. after mad happy had reached success, like you weren't doing great. And I kind of want to pull back the curtain on oh boy. how success isn't always just that box check of great life is made. So what was it like you would think, oh, this thing you came up with together, it is successful. It is doing amazing, but you were still struggling with your mental health. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that anything external just will never fill the cup. Like like I said before, you will never arrive. Like at the end of the day, we all go to sleep and put our head on the pillow and it's just us there. And it doesn't matter what your job is at that point. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. It's just like you and your thoughts and how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your life. And And I feel like we've obviously seen that success does not equal happiness, you know, even with a couple of suicides over the last few years of like Anthony Bourdain or like Kate Spade and like people like this that were as big as you can get in your industry and as successful and it still just like wasn't enough and that's honestly what I think is the coolest thing about mental health is that nothing else matters and whatever your level is whether you're Jeff Bezos or you're living on Skid Row like you feel the same thing and your brain works in the same way and like those two people or any two people can come eye to eye and like have an experience and empathize with each other and like really connect and like when it comes to mental health nothing external matters and like that's kind of hard for people because society really does preach of like check these boxes and get these things and that's going to make you feel good and that's going to be your life but if that's what you're focused on you'll you'll just never arrive yeah and and if anything i think like if you're not taking care of yourself and your mental health like as you become more successful like those things become like more clear and those areas that like were were struggles for you in the past only become like harder i think one theme we've seen in a lot of our podcasts is like as people became famous or what you would consider like the most successful they had ever been was also like the hardest times of their life right mm-hmm. so mason going to treatment in 2018 when like the brand was going great or when we had like Dixie on the podcast and she's talking about like not being able to leave her room, even though, you know, she she was like one of the most followed TikTok accounts like in the world, right? right. Same thing with Logic. A lot of people have this like really, really hard time as they reach success, but it really is from all of those things that like the self things that like we're just never worked through yet, you know? And, and so I think it's like something that we talk about a lot because it only makes those things harder and it it makes it more clear that you need to work on them because now you are in the public eye. Now there is more pressure on you, right? And so those things come out of you more. So when we talk about this filling our cup, what are the things that fill your cup? How do you prioritize them in your life? I'd love to know. I think like my my support system is like the biggest thing for me and, and, you know, all my closest friends, like a payment and a couple other guys. I think my girlfriend is something that really fills my cup and and my parents and my family. And then ultimately, I think that we have to be able to fill our own cups, at least at least the first little part of it. Right. So those things for me are like playing tennis, watching movies and, and probably being outside in nature. And like nature is really like my higher power and like how I connect to my spirituality. And I would probably say that's that's the biggest cup filler for me. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the things that I've been working on is I feel like I'm always around people as well. And, and so I think it's like being able to be alone, I think is like a true sign of like being comfortable with yourself. And, and alone means like you're not listening to a podcast. You're not <laughs> list blasting you're not music in your yeah. ears, you know, because I think for me, I find that like I always want to be like learning or growing or whatever. And I use that as sort of like an excuse to like never truly be alone. Mm. You know, like it feels so weird if I'm driving home, like not listening to anything or if I go go (laughs) on a walk and I'm not listening to anything. And so I think that's been a step for me to like put myself in those positions because like the true question is like, what feelings are you trying to avoid by doing that? You know, or like what will come up in that like 
you know, gap. And, and so I think things like meditation have helped me with that. But I think finding times to do that in your daily life of like when you're not consuming, when you're just like being with yourself is, has been super important for me. And then of course, my parents, my girlfriend, my friends, like those things are added on top, but you have to really like build that base layer for yourself. Dude, that, uh, that car thing is so true because I'll literally, when I get in the car, whether it's on the way to work or from home and like the couple minutes where I don't have anything playing, like <laughs> I do find myself literally feeling uncomfortable and like instantly like that's when the shit will come up. Mm, and then you put yeah. something on and like you can zone back out and it goes away. But like we all have stuff that's just like right there, just like simmering at the top. Yeah. And any time that we're fully like alone and like they start to creep, it's like, no, 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 no. Right, right. So it's like we mentioned before when you're like, when you're reaching for the joint, what are you trying to hide? It's like when you're reaching for the podcast, yeah. now it's like healthy coping mechanisms, yeah. but still the same issue. I get the vibe from you both that you're like, you're just genuine, kind humans. You're really present. Like you, 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 def I mean, especially in, in LA, like compared to other men in this town, you guys are just <laughs> wildly different. I'm curious how your spirituality, like your journeys, play a role in the things in life that you're like more forgiving towards. I don't know how to ask this. Like, for example, with my whole, I hate this word journey, but with my whole journey, <laughs> I think like a big thing for me has been compassion for others. And I feel like I always now put myself in other people's shoes. Like if, if it's not done the way I want, if someone's late, if someone's X, Y, Z, like if someone's rude or honks, like I have a really good ability now to be like, you know what? Like that's a projection. They're struggling. I'm mm. going to send them a, like a good wish through the mm. air right now. What are some of those things that you guys feel help you navigate the world on like a level up almost, even though I know we don't want to have ego in it. <laughs> I think, I think you hit it right on the head for me. Like empathy is just absolutely number one. I feel like I've, I am just a natural born empath. And even like from birth like in the way that i've conducted all of my friendships have really been the ability to meet someone wherever they're at and there's no one too big or too small to talk to or like no one that i can't don't feel like i can relate to again because we're all human and have so much more in common than we think and like even like in high school i feel like i was the only kid who was kind of talking about mental health and talking about my feelings in that way and like was able to form a lot of really strong relationships and like kind of was that guy that a lot of people would come to to talk about things that they wouldn't really feel comfortable talking to other people about and like really for me it's like creating safety for other people and like feeling like they don't have to have any walls up this isn't transactional in any way like I'm not trying to get anything out of you like let's just be real and I feel like mm -hmm. allowing that safe space for people when I talk to them has enabled like some really impactful relationships that I'm super grateful for. Transactional is a word that stands out because, I mean, you guys are successful. You're very well connected. On that note, how do you guys navigate seeing the best in everyone and being present with people and not judging them or making assumptions, but also you got to be like, are they using me? Mm. You know, how do you go through that? I think just trusting your gut. We feel like instantly a vibe that you get from someone of like, if you feel it, it's probably there a little bit. And then mm. kind of like, proceeding with caution if you do kind of feel that and like everything that we do from partners that we work with or people on our team and everything like that it's really all about people first and like what is the connection how do they make us feel is it like on brand for mad happy and like we would rather lead with that than just like you know this person has like 50 million followers like oh, we got to get them on the show you know it's like it's more about 
who are they actually and like what kind of conversation can mm. we have and like what would that message be to our audience because that's something that we take super seriously mm. yeah i think the judgment thing that you just said has been big for me because like you really don't know what someone else is going through and after like trying to build this company and seeing like all the challenges that came about like you really don't know how hard it is from the outside for anyone right so anyone on their journey any company trying to do something big and so i think trying to like judge a little bit less like make less assumptions about people and then like mason said i do think it's a feeling thing of just like you feel when someone has like the right intentions and like you want to work with them or you want to hang out with them and just trusting that well, thank you both. I, for what it's worth, I get the good vibes from you guys and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you coming on RealPod and for just being so open. You know, I just love talking to you guys. You're so insightful and it's just been great. And I'm really glad everyone's going to be able to hear this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was great to come on. I mean, we had to return the favor after you hopped on our show. So happy to be here. Yeah. And thank you for what you do. I mean, I've listened to a bunch of episodes now. And, oh my God, really? Yeah. And it's, oh. um, you know, I think as someone who's trying to just talk more about my own life, which I found hard to do, even with having a podcast, I think it's just like, I've learned a lot, you know, from, from you sharing that. And I, I don't think I'll ever get to that level, but oh I, my do gosh. I, have, I have many steps um, that I can take. So I'm thank an you extreme. And, and I'm an extreme. <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.